Fred Herzog said, Timing in photography is almost everything. You have to pay attention to where the light comes from. You have to pay attention to the background. Only a few people can see, but most people don't even look. Sebastian Salgado said, When I was just starting out, I met Cardio Brisson. He wasn't young in age, but in his mind, he was the youngest person I had ever met. He told me it was necessary to trust my instincts, be inside my work, and set aside my ego. In the end, my photography turned out very different to this, but I believe we were coming from the same place. Sebastian Salgado. Welcome to Escaping the Ordinary Podcast. If you are ready to be the best version of yourself and level up your life, stay tuned as we interview special guests who will bring you all of the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we are going to show you how with your host, Ryan Teague. If you're not familiar with Chase Wild and what James and Cam have created, I encourage you to head to their website before listening to the rest of this episode. You'll be wowed. A quick glance, you'll notice epic locations, hip couples, foggy weather, and a real sense of style. Chase Wild have been featured in most of your favorite wedding mags and just seem to be, I don't know, ahead of the game. I was lucky enough to catch up with James and Cam at one of their many workshops they hold each year around the world. I'm wrapped to have Cam with me today. Welcome, dude. Hey, thanks, Ben. Hey, uh, yeah, stoked to have you on board, man. Hey, um, it's, how's it all going over there? I mean, we're in COVID-19 at the moment. So how are you guys, how are you guys doing? And keeping well, keeping well inside. It's it's raining today, so it's nice and cozy indoors, and don't feel the itch to to get outside like we have been. But thanks for the intro, man. That's a nice little um, encouragement and pick me up on a on a day like today. So thanks oh, for today. I, I just know uh, I know the listeners going to get so much if they have just straight on your website. I mean, you get you get hit in the face with this epic photograph that I'm looking at now, which it, is it around the Queenstown area, kind of groom helping a bride up a mountain. And it's just, yeah, it's Dude, that nuts. is like the craziest location. <laughs> I think it's Doubtful Sound, which was, um, that was a pretty amazing experience being there. Beautiful, man. So you're locked inside, are you at the moment? Are you on uh, quarantine or are you in lockdown? What's happening, man? Oh, it's not too intense. Like um, we've come out of the, the full lockdown, so we can go outside. But um, yeah, so no one's really doing too much. All the shops are closed and restaurants are only takeaway. So you know, it's just a good time to to knuckle down and work on a few things. Been been blogging and working on editing and getting a bit of content out there and have the chance to, to catch up with, with rad people like you, which is awesome. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So, I mean, Cam, can you tell the listener more about Chase Wild and how you guys started? And obviously, it's, it's James and yourself, the owners of the business. So, can you give everyone a bit of a background of how you got to the point you are today? And yeah, yeah reverse some time for us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I have to go back there in my mind myself. So yeah, we, we, we're Chase Wild. We're um, New Zealand-based wedding photographers. And yeah, we, we do a bit of work here each summer, but we also get to, to travel a little bit. And yeah, it didn't all just sort of magically happen for us. We actually started, James and I started separate wedding photography businesses about seven years ago now. And we weren't photographers like our whole lives and We'd, we'd only really picked up cameras in our early 20s and and wasn't until like messing around online and looking at things that we kind of discovered this whole world of like amazing wedding photography and it, and it kind of captured us both. I know for me, like I was like, holy crap, I, I need to learn how to do this. And I became captivated by it and just like dove in online and like just consumed all the content that was there that photographers were putting out and just began to shoot every day and um, yeah, we, we built our own ph- photography businesses to begin with, but we, you know, we were sharing our knowledge and we were hanging out. We were just mates and um, talking about photography all the time. And eventually we decided that it was just going to be, be better to, to really build a, a stronger business. We could do it together. You know, we could half the marketing and we could just work on different aspects of it uh, uh, together. And so, yeah, after about a year of doing our own thing, we decided to, to join up and uh, we got quite intentional about what we wanted to be as a wedding photography business. Like we'd seen people photographing around the world and we'd seen different styles of wedding photography and we'd done it for a year and we were like, Hey, like let's really think about what 
kind of business we want to have, um, what kind of aesthetic we want to like produce. And so we, we really did that. And uh, we decided that we wanted to be like be adventurous and go to these cool locations and we wanted to travel. And so we really pursued doing that. And one of the things that we, we did that had a bit of success for us early on was we, we decided to make a blog. Actually, our, our first website wasn't actually featuring wedding photography. It was actually featuring wedding photographers. We, we made this blog about our most like favorite wedding photographers and, and other photographers around the world. And we decided to travel and just hit up these people and ask them if they wanted to get dinner or get a beer or whatever. And if we could write some words and feature them on our blog. And we, we sort of did this because we knew that a really key thing to getting weddings around the world and becoming the kind of wedding photographers we wanted to be was creating relationships with other people in these places around the world and creating a bit of a network for ourselves. So the, the blog was our, our way of doing that. And um, that got shared around a little bit and, and, and got us known in the industry pretty quickly. And yeah, it seemed, seemed to work out pretty well. I love that. So, so that wedding blog camp, so were you like in partnership as Chase Wild before you, you kind of launched that? Obviously, it's something quite unique. I've never heard of it before. And what was like the intention? Was the intention to get it shared around network and obviously book weddings, you know, in these areas where you may have kind of generated this relationship with a photographer and say they're in Italy and they're booked out. Next minute, you're at the top of their mind and, uh, you know, referring Chase Wild. So yeah, were you guys in partnership prior to starting that blog? And was that the main intention for it? Yeah, I mean, we weren't officially, you know, having a, having, having a business partnership at that stage, but it kind of the the blog was our launching strategy, I guess, um, launching the new brand, and and we didn't start shooting weddings until you know a few months after after doing that. But yeah, the blog was it, it was a business strategy, but also it was just a way for us to like make new friends with these people because that that's what a lot of that stuff was at the end of the day. You know, like you said, getting referrals and being top of mind for some of these photographers. We knew we just needed to make contact con- contact and just become mates. Yes, that, that's incredible, man. Hey, is, is the blog, do you know like if that's still around or like I've just never heard anyone doing anything like that. I think it's, I mean, it's it's obviously valuable for a photographer to be featured anywhere is, is such a special thing. Like have you revisited that blog or is it is it well and truly in the uh, Nokia 33, 10 days? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's buried deep in the archives now, but I guess it's a similar kind of, it's just a business strategy. I, I, you might have heard of like ShopKit or something like that, that features something about photographers that other people might be interested in. And I guess that was just the idea that came to us at the time. But the same principle, I think, applies to anybody right now who's trying to build a little bit of a, an online presence or, or something like that. It's, it's putting out something of value that other people actually want to read, whether it's tips on photography or editing or whatever. Put out something that people actually want to read and engage with, then um, you're going to get noticed. So if, if we talk about that, obviously networking was uh, top of mind when you started that blog and we're going on about it now about giving value and stuff like that. So are you, I mean, with COVID-19, I'm sure a lot of your weddings and stuff are postponed. Um, so like, are you kind of proactive with what you're doing now with adding value and networking and sharing blogs and stuff like that? Yeah, totally. I, I, I think the whole COVID thing is like a little bit of a, a reset button for everyone to like well, everyone in the wedding industry anyway, to rethink what, what they're up to and what their goals are for their business. And, and I know for me, it definitely has been like that. You know, I feel like the last sort of year, maybe I was going through the motions a little bit with shooting these weddings and inquiries were just kind of a little bit passively coming in, but this, this time has been a little bit of a wake up call and a, a reset button. And, we, we do have this bit of a platform as, as Chase Wild. And so I'm really trying to engage with people more on a, a bit of an educational level. We've started a bit of a, a journal with some content around editing. So yeah, definitely trying to provide value and, and, and keep in touch more with our online audience. Beautiful. Because I know obviously you hold workshops. I have seen the uh, the journal that you guys have created, which looks incredible. I know you've got a lot of followers out there that definitely follow your work because you've got a unique style and stuff like that. Can you talk to us? So 
obviously James and yourself were friends prior to going Chase Wild and then Chase Wild eventuated into what it is today. But as you kind of progressed, I mean, a lot of photographers, as you know, him, are, you know, a sole trader, they're doing things by themselves. A lot haven't thought about going in partnerships or what another person can bring to their business. So I know it's worked for you guys, but do you think like, do you think that will hold value to someone else maybe looking into that? Or are there any tips you could give to someone if they're going, you know what, like I shoot 15 weddings a year, my friend shoots 15. We could really collaborate together to kind of start an actual business rather than just shooting 15 weddings each where we can like start branching out and we can have more time and we can pick and choose our weddings. So do you feel there's quite a lot of value in that, like going in partnerships and business? Definitely. I think there are a lot of factors that need to come together for that to, to work well. I think it needs to be just most of all a natural thing. I think you need to be, yeah, either, either good friends and, and being able to work through some of the, you know, the issues that might come around doing being, you know, in, in business with your friends. Yeah. Or just have a real natural business affinity together. I don't think it's something that you should force because I think you, you can grow your business as a, as a sole person. Uh, I think there's a, a lot of other uh, resources and avenues that you can go down, like you know, obvious ones like outsourcing editing or getting um, outside help with marketing. And and so if you are a person who's who's you know wondering that, you might want to look down those avenues if you don't have you know someone that's like super obvious for you to join up in a partnership with. So yeah, I, I, it's been great for us um, and it's worked really really well. I don't think it's necessarily a pattern that everybody needs to take because, like as I mentioned, I think there there are other ways that you can scale what you're doing and, and grow what you're doing that don't necessarily mean owning half your business. You can own the whole thing, I think, as well. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Obviously, it's a unique setup. A lot of photographers would be unfamiliar with even going in partnership with another photographer. A lot of the time, they see them as competition and stuff like that. But I always do say, hey, Cam, like two minds are better than one. And if you can, like you, you guys, when you obviously started it, you sat down and, and you have this strong kind of like presence in the industry now where you've got this style and you've got this brand and audience and stuff. And I know when we caught up in New Zealand, I think it might've been last year or the year before. Yeah, and we, you know, we dived deep and you explained the business and it was just amazing to see like good friends really just vibing. And I mean, you guys travel a lot for work. So can you explain like how the process goes? So what happens when, cause I know a lot of re- listeners are going to be intrigued at how it works. So if you've got an inquiry for say a wedding in Italy, how does that go? Do you both go there? Do you paper scissors rock? How do you, how do you rock and roll that <laughs> one? Yeah, man. Uh, well, just what you were saying before, like you said, two two minds are, I think, um, better than one. one. One thing I would say is like, as we were first starting our business and learning our photography, it was so helpful to have each other to critique our work or tell each other about new things that we were learning. And I think that really helped speed up our learning process and our development. Just having someone else there, you know, like that whole iron sharpens iron kind of thing. So yeah, if you aren't going in partnership with someone like make sure you have some really close photographer friends or find some people on a similar stage of, of, of their business to you and, um, you know, chat things through and you can really help each other to, to progress a lot faster. I think, yeah, man. So you asked about how, how, uh, the inquiry system work, how it all works. It, it's pretty simple. Um, and I think we were pretty fortunate, fortunate because we were such good friends that we could kind of come to a pretty, I guess casual agreement, but with, with a bit of structure. So when an inquiry comes in, we talk to them as Chase Wild for, for a little while until they decide that they want to meet. And when they want to have a Skype or a Zoom or you know have a coffee or a beer with us, that's the point where we decide um, who's going to take that wedding. And, and from that point on, uh, that client becomes you know James's client or it becomes my client. And we just do that on a 50-50 basis. Like, one comes in and I take it. The next one comes in. They want to meet. James takes it. Uh, and so there's a certain amount of, I guess, luck of the draw of who wants to meet and 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 just when that props up. And we've been lucky, I guess, that we've had you know a, a surplus of inquiries and, and enough work to go around that it hasn't been a problem of you know one person wanting a particular wedding or feeling bad that this person got this wedding. Um, there's been a, been enough to go around and. 
we've been able to work out the ones where, you know, there's different travel involved. We've just been able to work out like who it would be more convenient for and, and being able to maintain a bit of a 50, 50 split. So, um, yeah, it's no, there's no super secret formula. It's just a quite a simple 50, 50 split. Nice. And so say Cam, so say if you, you photograph a wedding, say in Auckland, you're based in Auckland, that's right. Hey. Yeah, man. Yeah. So say if you photograph a wedding in Auckland and the bridesmaid falls in love with your style and your your atmosphere that you bring on the day and you get an inquiry and it's, hey, Cam, you photographed my friend's wedding, et cetera, et cetera. Would love you to be a part of mine. How do we rock and roll with that? Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I did kind of gloss over that part. So that that's one, I guess, caveat to the 50-50 system that we have is that if they mention a wedding that one of us shot or they were at a wedding that one of us shot, then all, I guess the, the weddings that were attached to that become either my weddings or James's weddings. So we actually ask on our form on our contact form, like, was there a wedding that stood out to you that, that you heard about us from? So, you know, if there's a wedding on the website that James shot or a wedding on the website that I shot that they, they fell in love with, then that becomes our client as well. Okay. I gotcha. So, as you know, a lot of the listeners, Cam, are obviously, you know, solo photographers that rock and roll in their own jobs and a lot, are, you know, getting booked out, et cetera. Do you think bringing on an associate photographer could help them generate a, a more solid foundation or offer their service more widely? Like I know a lot of photographers in this industry have looked into bringing an associate shooter in or a second photographer that can, you know, go shoot a wedding on a Saturday in Sydney and the other one can shoot one in Brisbane on the same day, obviously generating more income, but a lot have been held back by styles. So how do you like, how does James and yourself kind of work with that? Obviously you've worked together for a while, but you both have your creative eye. So yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I guess this is one of the other areas where we have been quite lucky is that we have just turned out to have quite a similar style that we like and that we go for. And I think because we started photographing together, we, we kind of developed our style together. And so this hasn't been a huge problem for us because at every step of the way, like, you know, if one person started shooting portraits in this way or started using this lens or consistently, you know, using a different kind of framing that, you know, looked amazing. Then the other person would also start doing that. We kind of rubbed off on each other. And yeah, of course we, we do have differences a little bit, but I think because we worked so closely together for so long, um, there is a certain kind of, you know, similarity to our, our styles. And, um, we use the same presets for editing. We, we edited most of our stuff sitting next to each other. And so we've been able to put out a consistent product together, having two shooters. But yeah, man, the, the associate thing is, um, it's a big tricky subject and we've, we've thought about it a lot and we've actually tried to, to have different associates and think about different models of how we can also shoot more weddings, you know, um, even having, you know, James and Wellington and me and Hamilton and we'd, we'd also want to be able to shoot another wedding that day. But we've, you know, we, we played around with a bunch of different models, but we, and we actually ended up starting another little sub-brand um, with a couple of associate shooters that we've been working with through our workshops and, you know, we've had them start working for us and we've been training them, having them come to weddings with us and teaching them to, to edit and trying to get them up to a level that we could accept or, or bring a part of, make them a part of Chase Wild and have them as associates. Because I think that is the real, real key. Like when you're trying to offer, I guess, higher end wedding photography or, you know, you're selling like a really consistent aesthetic it's really really difficult to get somebody else to be able to produce that work so we decided to make another brand so it was differentiated that we could feed inquiries to and we could feed um, you know clients into that didn't quite have the same expectations as chase wild but was still a part of our business and still had you know a good chunk of our aesthetic and our look wow so and so you've trained these is it is it a number of photographers is it one photographer so you got kind of an associate business really rather than having an associate shooter under chase yeah Wild. yeah that that was our solution to to the problem of you know trying to maintain an aesthetic and 
I mean, there's a whole bunch of other challenges that come with having, you know, associate photographers and I guess spending so much time investing into somebody else. Essentially, you're creating another version of of yourself and another version of your business. And so um, I guess you're just contributing to, you know, more photographers around because there are a lot of new photographers and a lot of new good people around as well. So there's definitely challenges that we've found, but, but that's been our best solution so far. Yeah. Incredible, man. It sounds like, I mean, that's why I wanted to do this podcast because I know you are always pivoting and you, you do many different things from workshops, journals, sell presets. Um, now learned about this new brand, how you guys started. It's, I mean, how long have you been in business? Yeah. About six years as Chase Wild now. In- incredible. And you're both located in Auckland? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, yep. Yeah. We're, you know, we're, we're always thinking of different projects that we can work on. And like, honestly, wedding photography is like such a great entry point into the world of business and like the skills you learn in the first few years of, of setting it up and like how to make the hustle work, you know, in your first few years, they're, they're really good business skills to set you up to, to think about other avenues and think about other stuff that you might want to do as well. So I want to change tactics a little bit, Cameron. I want to ask some, uh, some straight questions to you, mate. Like there's a, obviously a lot of new photographers coming and it's always going to be, and you, you know, you teach a lot of these at your workshops. If someone listening, what do you think the biggest thing that holds most new photographers back is? I mean, you've been there long enough. You've gone, gone through the ruts. What do you think's holding people back? Honestly, this might sound a little vague, but I, I think it's actually confidence. A lot of the people that um, I chat to at our workshops and, um, you know, I chat to online at, uh, who are in different points of their, their first few stages of business don't seem to have the confidence that, you know, what they're producing is good or, you know, or, or don't have the confidence to just, you know, make some decisions and really go for it and put themselves out there. And yeah, I think that's one thing, you know, people, I, I think we, we knew at the, the, the first few stages of our business that we weren't you know, maybe the greatest photographers in the world, but we, we knew and we were confident that if we put ourselves out there, if we hustle like we, we knew we could, um, we could grow a business and we could develop our photography and we would get better. And the, that whole cliche of fake it till you make it was a little bit of a mantra for us kind of sounds terrible, but that's, that's kind of how we looked at it. And I think that a lot of photographers could take that on board a little bit and just up their confidence level and just, just go for it. Put your, put themselves out there, like believe in themselves, you know, talk about how amazing their, their work is and grab a couple and don't, don't just settle for the photo shoot that they want to do. Like tell them you've got this amazing idea and make it happen in some ways. And, and you need confidence to do that. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say people just need to think a bit more of themselves and, and go for it. For sure. And I think uh, it's definitely a thing that's allowed you guys to stand out. Having confidence, even just doing this podcast is a big thing. And, you know, I know confidence comes with time as well, but you're so right, mate. Like just, yeah, facing fear sometimes. I mean, I've always looked at this as a business as well. So, you know, mm. in the end of the day, I've got to put food on the table. So if I want to sit in my living room on my laptop and try and run a business just like that, you know, it's probably not going to support my family. So there are times when I got to put those boots on and be a big boy and get out there and face the world and put my face up there. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. But yeah, you, like, you know, mate, you got to have confidence if you really want to kind of, I think as well, mate, succeed and, and generate the business of your dreams because facing fears on the other side of it was obviously a lot of success and failures as well, but you learn so much from it. So from the outside, and I know the listeners already headed to Chase Wild, they're probably yeah, in love with everything they see and signing up to your workshops, even though they may, may be postponed. So you seem to have this cohesive style. When we jump on your Instagram, it's very, I don't know, I call it foggy and you probably get it a bit, but you've just got this kind of like very natural, soft, fun, a lot of hip couples. So how did Chase Wild, you know, where, I mean, we know how it started, but when it started, obviously prove me wrong, but you probably weren't shooting these type of weddings that you show now. And, you know, how did you get to that point where you are now? And you seem to be doing a lot of destination weddings. Yeah, man. I I think it kind of touches on the point that I just talked about before. Like, 
having a confidence to to go after what you want like i think in the first few stages like you're right we weren't necessarily getting the weddings you know that we are now but with the couples that we did get we would just like pitch them different ideas of what like amazing things they could do you know if someone wanted to do an engagement shoot with us you know uh in Auckland city it's like yeah we could do that or we could do this like amazing adventure on these cliffs like at sunset and yeah let's go if it's raining as well because that's going to look amazing you know just pitching ideas to get the content that you want because you need to you need to be able to show that to get more, more of that so definitely yeah having the confidence to pitch those ideas to your couples and then yeah people would will start coming to you for that style and, and for that aesthetic and i think on developing that like yeah it didn't all happen at once for us like we there was a lot of trial and error and finding different things and finding inspiration and different stuff and it was just a bit of a process of i guess noticing what we really loved and what photos really like you know i guess turned us on and um made us feel alive and made us want to shoot more of that stuff and you know we started shooting in certain weathered conditions or in certain light and we were like oh man we just love how you know this light looks and the mood that it creates and so we started intentionally trying to to shoot in these kind of like more i guess moody like you say foggy atmospheric conditions and places and that started to become like a little bit of our our look and and our aesthetic and you know there were certain things that we started to notice about you know when we did shoots in these places like which way the light was going and what our couples were doing and what we said you know and what reaction that got from our couples we 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 tried a lot of different things but i think finding a style is that process of noticing what you like and noticing what you love and just doing more of it because there's no use like trying to, to copy someone else's style or do an idea that someone else has got like yeah incorporate that into your kind of shove that in your brain so it kind of comes out a little bit when you go shoot but you've got to look at your own work and you've got to notice what you like and then just do that more and i think over over time if you shoot a lot that process is going to be quicker but over time you're going to start to see a style develop in your own work and so yeah we were doing that with locations and lights and and couples and and we started doing it with editing you know putting certain tones into the to the photos putting the shadows in a certain way like making it feel soft in other ways we started to do that and we we started to just we're noticing what we liked um and i guess that is the style that comes through now so if we can i mean coaching clients it, it's it's an amazing uh it's an amazing thing but for the person that doesn't understand what they mean so say for example if you got an inquiry and it was kind of basic it was we're getting married in Auckland it's just at this church we're going to do photos around the venue full stop how far do you push it you know do you, do you say oh you know like and how do you approach it because obviously it's yeah. quite a touchy subject some people may be obviously getting married at that specific venue for a reason and do you push and say well no iceland's going to be better or do you just try and just go a little left field so you can create something that you know you know you might be able to use on your socials or that the client will really love because obviously most people haven't been married before that are getting married i'm sure in your demographics so yeah how far do you push it and when do you push it yeah, definitely, man. Great, great question. I think obviously we don't we don't like bombard them with something or tell them you know that their ideas are bad or anything like that. It's, it's definitely just like um, I don't know. It's it's, a, it's it's just creating a personal relationship with them first and foremost, and, and gaining a bit of trust first. And I think one of the basic things on this is that you are the professional when it comes to photos and the client's not. You know, it's probably the client's first time thinking about you know photography perhaps in their life. And so they're not quite sure, you know, what's going to look amazing or what's going to be great or what time of the day is going to be best to shoot and, and things like that. So it's your job, I guess, to, to educate the clients. And that can come further down the line. Like we don't, we don't talk about that straight off. Like we love to um, catch up with all of our clients for a beer or a coffee if that's, that's possible or online. And it might not be to the end of that conversation or even the next conversation that we start to slip in some suggestions and, you've built that trust already. So you're able to do that. But yeah, it's, it's finding a balance too. Like we don't, we don't want to completely change our couple's plans. You know, we just suggest stuff and, you know, if, if they do want to do something 
and and we've booked them in that's maybe not quite you know giving us an opportunity to do something that that we really love we, we'll try and you know at least find one location or one time um, where we can shoot something that's going to be um, something that we're really stoked on I love that, man. That would, um, I don't know, like just, just say if I sent, you know, me and my fiance, so-called, you know, sent through an inquiry and yeah, you guys, like you said, I mean, you said a, a key word there, you guys are the professionals and you know, a lot of people, like you said, don't know what they're getting into when they're getting married. And if I had someone, you know, sit down with me and have a drink and just give me these ideas to kind of create something unique or more ass or, Hey, like, haven't you thought about maybe just like, you know, 30 more minutes and we can head to the city and get some quirky photos. You guys love the city and cafes. Like you can definitely see it in your work, man. When you're scrolling through your website or Instagram, you really see a lot of personality and it's not just your typical, you know, in front of a chapel type thing. So yeah, hats off to you. Obviously I was speaking to actually Gabe McClintock in, in last week's episode and he said pretty much the same thing, Cam. He said, you know, curation is the king to consistency and booking the right couples. And, and it seems like you've really got that down pack with what you're showing and what you're shooting. So can you tell us about with Chase Wild, how many weddings kind of generally do you shoot a year? And, you know, how many are local? I know you guys travel so, so much. Yeah. So can you give the listener a bit of a rundown of how a, a general year would look for you guys without COVID-19? Yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. Like, I think um, the peak of our, our traveling was like a couple of years ago. And they're, they're, like, it's amazing and it's a privilege to be able to travel and shoot destination weddings. But it is a bit of a taxing lifestyle too. And, and you've got to be up for that. It's got to be, I think, a certain time in your life as well. And there are a few years where we were all about just being everywhere and anywhere and, and we were up for all kinds of travel. Um, but in the last few years, we've really, you know, focused and tried to get a little bit more work at home so we can work on some other projects. So, yeah, we've been trying to hit a little bit more of the local market. And at the moment, we probably shoot, well, I've been shooting maybe 20, 25 weddings over a summer and then like a sprinkling of them through the winter, you know, try and still take a bit of a trip each winter and, and get to Europe or something and, and, and shoot a couple of weddings. But that's sort of settled into quite a nice balance for me. Like, yeah, shooting shooting here over the summer, most weekends, 2025, and, and, and then a few overseas. We definitely, yeah, don't do like super high volume. Like we, we have, you know, other avenues for that. Like we've got this associate business. So we've been trying to push push more high volume stuff through that and, you know, work on workshops and work on presets and, and different different avenues as well as just shooting. So yeah, so if, that's it, kind of our, our vibe this year. Amazing, mate. So if I can jump in just quickly, another question with the, your sub brand. So you guys have got this Chase Wild, seems like a quite high-end service. Is the sub brand kind of more of on a, I don't want to, you know, cliche say the budget end, but is it, you know, something that maybe the bride and groom can't facilitate your pricing in their budget and then you kind of have this sub brand where they can, or is it more or less on par with Chase Wild? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like full disclosure, like we, we get a lot of inquiries that come back to us and say we're out of budget. And we were just hearing that so much. And we just felt like it was such a shame to just like post those and in, in heaps of different groups and, and never make anything from generating that inquiry and generating that interest. And so that's kind of where the whole idea of the sub brand came from. And it is, it is priced lower so that you know, it can capture that part of the market because that definitely is, you know, we have our tar target clients and um, a certain segment of the market. And, but there, you know, there is another segment that, that don't want to spend as much on their wedding photography and maybe aren't as particular about certain aesthetics. So we, we, we wanted to create a business that, that also captured that as well. So we so could just make some money. Just staying on that, Cam. So James and yourself, do you guys handle all the kind of administration behind the scenes and does say a client that has booked through your sub brand, do they speak with you guys directly or are they meeting a photographer that's on board with your sub brand? Like how does, yeah, how does it all work? Because I know the yeah. listener is going to be interested in this. Yeah, we've we've tried a few different models of how that works, and we we did have someone helping us who was doing like most of the Chase Wild emails at one stage, and started doing the admin for the sub brand as well. But we found a little bit of like we lost a little bit of connection with our clients through not actually being the one to do the emails with Chase Wild. So 
all the Chase Wilder emails now are, are, are us chatting um, and us responding. But the, the sub-brand does have someone who is taking care of the admin side of things. Beautiful, man. I'm, I'm loving what yeah. you guys are doing. Yeah. So, And I know you guys are shooting, obviously, quite a lot. You mentioned you're shooting you know, 25 and have shot many destination weddings. And I know you're quite busy by the way you guys are pivoting your business and stuff like that. But can you give the listener an insight? I know you're strong in the workshop game. And yeah, so are your workshops, are they just local in Auckland or do you do them worldwide? Obviously, I attended one last year. Can't speak highly enough of it. It was just such a cool thing to hang out. I mean, we went to a waterfall, had a quirky hip couple and it was just a, yeah, it was a solid vibe. And I always think learning is obviously an amazing thing. I'm sure you guys can say the same, but yeah. Can you give the listener an an insight into your workshops? Yeah, man. Oh, thanks for that feedback. That's, that's awesome. We, we have done them uh, a few different places around the world. We had one in the UK, we had one in Sydney and Melbourne a couple of years ago. Um, But I think at this stage, just logistically, we're, we're going to keep them close to home and, and just have a couple a year. Um, there was there was a couple of years there where we went, we just went 100 on the workshops and I think we had 10 or 11 and, you know, a year and a half. And, you know, we were lucky enough to, to sell those out and, and just have heaps of photographers being able to come through them. But we're, we're probably just going to take a bit of a step back and, and have a couple each year um, where we can really focus on them and create some amazing shoots and create some amazing content for people. Yeah, we're definitely keen to to keep the workshop thing going. You know, we're noticing a few other other trends in the industry and a few other opportunities that I think that we're that we're going to want to move towards. Might um, look at doing a few more things online and yeah, move some of our photography education online. We've we've sold presets and and things over the last couple of years as well. But I think we're we're, we're really wanting to amp up. You know editing education just a another little tangent to throw in the mix of all the tangents that we've been on today but just with like the growth of the wedding photography industry like recently we've we've just seen so many people join and you know a lot of people are really good and the level is is getting higher and higher but a lot of stuff uh is looking really similar and is looking just the same and um, you know, a, a lot of it's probably due to, you know, there being so many, you know, great presets online that you can buy and things. And I, we know we've contributed to, to that phenomenon and that whole, you know, thing of things looking the same. But I think there's really, um, we, we really want to focus on um, educating um, new photographers to edit really well and to like edit in a way that they can really find their own voice and find their style and educating people around what they can do in Lightroom and, and what color is and how to get that consistent instead of just, I guess, you know, pasting on a preset from another photographer and then, you know, making a couple of small adjustments. That's only gonna, you know, you're still just going to only look like that photographer, but learning really how to edit and how to do something for yourself, I think is, is really the next step in this whole presets and whole editing game. So we're, we're working on that stuff at the moment. So I think buying presets is still a great thing um, to learn how photographers do stuff and, and to get a base you know, education of what a photographer does to an image to color grade it. But I think there's so much more that photographers can learn when it comes to editing to create their own style. So what do you, what do you think, Cam, is the biggest mistake a lot of new photographers or seasoned pros make when editing? I think, yeah, just slapping on someone else's someone else's preset and, you know, having confidence that that looks good just because it came from that photographer. But yeah, some of the basics still, I don't think are there for people, like even just getting white balance correct for, for certain tones in the image, like learning how to like notice what, what white balance is right. Real fundamentals like that. I think are some mistakes that I'm, 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 you know, I'm seeing like you can post like a real fire image of like a couple on a cliff or on top of a mountain and slap, you know, a chase wild preset or whatever on it. A lot of times it's going to look great, but that's not your own voice. And, and, you know, I think there are, like you say, every now and again, a few mistakes that pop in, like even basic ones like white balance. So, yeah, man. So how do you, uh, I mean, let's stay on white balance and editing because I know you're strong in that game, but how does a listener ensure their white balance is on? And can you tell them how you go through your editing process? Obviously, we spoke about your presets and stuff, but if we want to stay on that just simple tip of white balance... I know how vital it is, especially if you guys are listening and you're not printing photos, go print one of your photos and have a look what it looks like when it's printed. And if someone looks like 
I don't know, Marge from the Simpsons because she's fully yellow, you know, like you, you're really, yeah. you're pushing those edits a bit too far. Um, so can you tell people and give them a tip on how to correctly white balance an image? Yeah. I mean, I don't do it in a super technical way. Like to be honest, it's just done by eye and by feel. And I think a technically correct white balance isn't always the most exciting. Um, I think you can use white balance to give a certain feel to your images. Like if you notice chase wild images are actually like quite warm and um but that really is part of the tones that we we try and get out of our image you know we we do certain other things in the in the editing so that we can warm up our image a lot and get really creamy skin tones and so in a in a technical sense it might not be the correct white balance but it, it really adds to the feel and you know the looks that we're going for. So yeah, we, we warm up our images quite a lot and we put blue into the highlights to kind of balance that out. And we find that the combination between those two gets a certain creaminess that um, we can't we can't really get any other any other way. But a couple of tips on I don't know, guess getting consistent white balance would be to compare it against other photos that you've got. Like a great way to like get consistency in your images is to have two screens and put an image up that you've edited before that you know that is banging and is you know has the tones that you like and has the kind of white balance that looks right put it up next to the one you're editing currently and you know make sure it sort of fits into the same kind of vibe and looks consistent and another tip i guess on that is just like i've said this before a few days ago is just like calibrating your eyes like we talk about calibrating monitors and getting the, making sure the colors on our on our monitors and our laptops and things are like correct, but calibrate your eyes too. Like when you're editing, make sure the light in the room is like a neutral, a neutral white balance in, in the natural light. You know, it's not like, you know, super sunsetty light or a super cold light. And then look around, like look at things in real life that have normal colors and then come back to your image. And I think often, often I do that and I come back and I've edited, you know, the tones a certain way and I'm like, whoa, I was, I was way off there. I need to I need to, you know, go over that again. So just recalibrating your eyes and, and coming back to your editing is, is a great tip. And with that whole calibration camera, are you using like a specific type of computer or screen? I know a lot of the iMacs are, you know, the resolution's crazy and it's pushing light through the image. And then when you go and print it, you see something totally different. So, you know, are you editing at the same time every day because obviously lighting outside changes or the brightness on the screen or a specific type of screen? Like, are there any recommendations there? Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I've got a screen that at the time we researched a lot and found it was, you know, um, a good one. And, and we've, we've found it to be consistent. We use a, a spider to, to calibrate our screen you know, every couple of months just to make sure that it's um, consistent. Um, so no huge recommendations on that, but the, the, the spider calibration tool, I think it costs us like a hundred bucks or something. It's a great way to like keep your, keep your colors consistent and keep your monitor, um, in check. And yeah, yeah, definitely like pretty intentional about where, where I edit in the room and where my screen is set up and, you know, the times of day, I find it quite hard to edit at nighttime. So during the day is, is good for me, man. And so with that spider calibration tool, is that something you just kind of plug in? Do you put it on the screen? Like how long does it take? Yeah. Can you run the listener through how yeah, that man, works? It's, it's super easy. It's pretty much like it's a USB device. You plug it into the USB and hang it over your screen. And I think it takes, I don't know, five or 10 minutes to it just goes through its own process and asks you to set brightness in certain ways. And it's pretty much an automated process. Works great, man. Amazing, man. I'm going to um, change tactics once again. I want to talk about your guys' Instagram presence just because it's it's strong. It's uh, it's catching. When you go to your Instagram, you know there's almost 20,000 followers. And I know a, a hot topic for photographers is growing you know, the followers on Instagram. So do you have any suggestions for a photographer and, and ways to organically grow following? I mean, you guys have a strong, strong presence. Yeah, man. It's such an interesting game, the Instagram game. And I think that in recent times, you know, probably haven't been like as strong and probably don't know, you know, the latest, I guess, um, up-to-date tricks on Instagram. But I, th I think number one, you, you kind of just got to keep it natural. Like, I think you're great at this, man. Like the stories, like talking to the camera and offering like, you know, being real and offering something of value to your followers and giving people a real reason to follow through your stories 
you're you're so great at that and heaps of other photographers are, are getting really really good at it but I, I think that's definitely key and and then thinking about your your feed as like a bit of a portfolio like we don't post like every day anymore we probably try and post stories every day um, to keep engagement coming through but we think of our feed as a bit of a portfolio and so you know we we often go through and curate images and take images out and um, yeah delete stuff that like looking back on isn't as strong and just make sure that we've got that looking tight and looking you know like we're happy to present that to to our couples and then yeah having some more of that casual content you know on highlights and on stories for people to be able to engage with um gives people a reason to follow and i i think that's the most important thing you can think about when growing it you know forget about all the funny tactics and different things like just give people a good reason to follow you and and then you're going to really grow a natural and engaged audience i think i think that's more helpful for a business um, than having like a huge number I think you don't need a huge number to be a successful business. Like some photographers are out there killing it and they've, you know, they've got a few thousand followers or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's more of an ego driven thing, I think, than, than anything else. And yeah, you just got to use it as a tool to be yourself rather than letting it feed your e- ego. For sure, Cam. I always thought, mate, is you know, if Instagram did change their whole algorithm and settings, and if one day you know we all woke up and we couldn't see followers, would that bring so many egos down and people that think that you know well and truly ahead of the game, or you know that are so fresh that they they're not even a part of the game? Would it bring everyone more back on a baseline level? So it'd be really interesting. But when we look at your Instagram, mate, we see you know like all like I mentioned, all these absolutely incredible landscapes, beautiful couples, crazy intimacy, fun vibes, like very hip. Are you posting for what you want to shoot? Or is this kind of like all your weddings? Like say you shoot a wedding, are they always this type of couple in this type of location? Or are you only kind of posting to, to kind of hopefully engage with that type of client? Yeah, man. Like, like I said, I think, I think the feed uh, is your portfolio. And so you've got to post what you want to do more of um, and what you think is your strongest game. So yeah, definitely there, there are some weddings we don't, we don't post on Instagram at all from um, just cause honestly it didn't quite fit what, what we wanted to put out there. And so, you know, there are, some, and this the vice versa is true. There's some weddings we've used heaps on there because, you know, that's our vibe and that's what we want to shoot more of. And, I don't think you need to feel bad about that or apologetic about that. I know heaps of photographers feel bad about not sharing anything from a wedding, but you know, it's your business at the end of the day and you don't have any obligation to that couple to, to share their photos on your feed. Um, if it's not going to help your business or it's going to take your business in the wrong direction. So yeah, we're, we're particular about what we post. There's people out there that are even more particular, like I, in our workshops, we use uh, the Pharaohs as a great example of this. Like, I think they only have like 10 or 12 photos on their Instagram feed. And all of them are absolutely like perfect and like amazing. And, you know, you know they've, they've got a huge following and are amazing photographers, but they're very, very selective with what they put out there. So I think a lot of people could take, um, you know, take that advice on board and, and really curate what they're, what they're putting out there. Yeah. Incredible, mate. Incredible. Thanks for sharing that. I know it's, uh, yeah, it's a topic that's, um, I don't believe is discussed enough, especially from the outsider looking in, they see this chase wild profile and you know, the eyes are drooling and it's just like, this is incredible. Like, why don't I do this every single weekend? But yeah, to be honest and and say that, you know, this isn't every single weekend, you know, we are curating our work to show what we want to shoot. It's not that we didn't like, you know, last weekend's wedding, but we're, you know, we're trying to level up our business and and our weddings. So I always think if you're, you know, you're showing everything, you've got nothing to surprise people with. So I think it's a a massive thing, but so grateful to have you on, have you on uh, the podcast, man. I know like this sub brand, this editing, your workshops, everything you guys do is just incredible. And I, I always ask people at the end of each episode, Cam, if you could share three implementable, I guess, tips or tasks for a photographer to up their game and level up their business, what would they be? Yeah, man. I'll quickly just go through a couple of things that I, I thought of this morning You know that people could, could implement. So I guess the first one is think about 
the exact tasks that can actually push your business forward. Like I think a lot of people spend a lot of time on things that are not really actually pushing their business forward, helping them get more clients, helping them grow their, you know, their creative side or, or things like that. And so you, you got to think about like what time you are spending in the business or what time you are spending on the business. And you want to set yourself up in a way where you can spend lots of time on your business, working on your business, growing it. And so, you know, like does, uh, does posting stories on Instagram do that for you or would working on the SEO on your website really help your business much more? Like think about those decisions and, and how you're using your time and do tasks that are going to push your business forward rather than, you know, just mucking around posting Instagram stories or whatever. So that, that would be the first one. Yeah. And then I guess the next one is just like in this time, it's such an opportunity for us all just to try new things. I know I've been doing a couple of shoots around the house and doing a bit of writing and, you know, the the journal that we've had on Chase Wild and engaging with people online in new ways and doing podcasts and things like this. Like these things are new for me. It's been amazing. And I think, um, you know, I think our business will see some fruits from it. So I just an encouragement for everyone just to go and try something new. Um, if you're stuck at home or, you know, you're feeling a bit down on, you know, weddings being postponed, like this is an opportunity to try something new. So that's the second one. And then I guess the, the third one um, is on that editing stuff that we've chatted about. Like, like I said, we are really wanting to um, focus some of our attention on helping photographers to learn to, to edit well and learn to edit better. So I guess everyone could just try and edit some photos differently and, um, and try and, yeah, begin to notice some new things in, in your work and yeah, what, what you're working on, you know, work that white balance and get it right. Try some different tones. And, and yeah, if, if you want to learn a little bit about that editing stuff, like we've been posting about it on our journal, we've got a new Facebook group that we're going to engage with around editing and we've got, we're going to have some editing content come out with our, our, our new presets so that, yeah, we can hopefully help educate some people on editing better incredible mate thanks for sharing them i'll obviously link to everything and anything you've spoken about from your workshops presets editing your new journal instagram which is strong your website and everything that you've spoken about mate and so 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 thankful to have you here i hope you guys are both doing well during this whole covid19 situation and yeah look forward to obviously catching up hopefully next time i'm in auckland mate or Hope, well, maybe Italy one time. That'd be pretty rad. That'd be awesome. That, that would be amazing, dude. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Like such a rad thing you're doing starting this. And even this has been so encouraging for me hearing all your kind words and encouragement. So yeah, you're, you're doing a great thing. And, and thank you so much, man. Oh, too kind, Matt. Too kind. We're so glad you have taken the time to tune in. If you found this episode useful, why not share it with a friend and be the light someone may need? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This would mean so much to us. Ryan would love to connect with you beyond this episode. The links to everything and anything that was spoken about are in the show notes at www.escapingtheordinarypodcast.com. Talk to you next week.